The views and opinions expressed on Caffeine and Sarcasm are that of the host and guests alone and are not to be associated with any law enforcement agency or any other entity. Caffeine and Sarcasm could be considered explicit, so listener discretion is advised. This episode of Caffeine and Sarcasm is sponsored by Barbells and Badges. Barbells and Badges, we train for our lives. For those of you that know, uh, I pretty much only wear Barbells and Badges gear when I'm training. Uh, Gym shirts headbands, beanies, hoodies, and they even have shorts now. They have tank tops. They got all kinds of stuff, whether you're looking into supporting the thin blue line, the red line. Um, There is the actual red line that is the Remember Everyone Deployed t-shirts that they have. They have all kinds of stuff. Mark comes up with some awesome, awesome designs like the original 5.0 t-shirt. You know, it looks like the G.I. Joe symbol, but it says 5.0. Yeah, they came up with the original, no matter what the other guy says. So check out Barbells and Badges www.barbellsandbadges.com. Use code CAMPBELL, save you a little bit of money on your checkout, and show them a little bit of support over on Instagram, Facebook, at Barbells and Badges, wherever you can find it. Um, So check them out. I love their stuff, obviously, because I continue to wear it, and they're just good people. And I support good people, and I support good products. And that's exactly what they are. So hit them up, save you a little bit of money, get you an awesome t-shirt. You're now listening to Caffeine and Sarcasm with your host, Logan Campbell. So buckle up and brew a cup because here we go. All right, everybody, welcome back to Caffeine and Sarcasm. My name is Logan Campbell. Thank you for tuning in yet again. Um, This is part two of my episode with Jared Koopman. Uh, We really, really get into uh, canine stuff, and we talk about uh, Harley and uh, the events leading up to his death in this episode. So um, it does end on a a bright note, um, but it does get a little dark. Um, You know, he, he tells his story. I was grateful that he was willing to to go through the events of uh, November 13th, 2019, when, when Harley was uh, killed on the job. Um, for those of you in Indiana, you, I'm sure you remember, everybody always remembers when that stuff happens. So um, I'm grateful for uh, Jared to come on and, and tell his story, and, and, and we're grateful for Harley to have given his life in service because uh, he was... He was a an, an integral part in a grander investigation, and you'll see why uh, when Jared tells his story. Um, and we're just going to get right into it. Um, so yeah, here's part two of the episode with Jared Cooper. been on the topic of, of policing and, and everything let's get into canine work um was that something that you were wanting to get into right from the beginning or did you sort of gain an interest in it um it was definitely one of those things I, I i was always interested in canine even before i was a police officer i just thought it was so cool i grew up with a german shepherd so you automatically you know german everyone always thinks german shepherd police yep. dog whatever um uh, 
but you know, just uh, probably watching cops and all that stuff is just seeing the canines out and just being like, man, that would be so cool to go to work with the dog and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I get, you get hired on. Actually, I remember one of the things when I was going through the hiring process was like, where do you see yourself in five years? And I had said, I, I, I will be a canine officer. And then, but you still don't really know like the ins and outs of having a dog. Like you said, you see cops and you think that's what you get to do. And then you see, no, you actually a police officer see the paperwork you have to do. And you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, so like the police thing, it kind of like, obviously they, you know, I had said an FTO and you get FTOs like, Hey, are you interested in anything in the HC? And I always bring up K9. And then um, someone told me, an FTO told me one time, like, until you have five years on, you truly, you know, you're still learning everything about the job. So just take your time. And then the canine guys, you know, I spoke with them and they're like, dude, take your time. Plus you have a year anyways of probation. So they're like, you can't help us anyways uh, until you're out of probation, helping meaning like you start going to canine trainings and whatever. Right. So I, I just really honestly just started focusing on what I need to do to just be a good cop. And then um, I started helping out with the unit. I, I actually helped out for two years. Uh, just taking bites and you know setting out drug hides or laying tracks for them and then just kind of really understanding the amount of work that goes into canine and there's still just something I was like man I still think that would just be amazing so you know I guess it always was kind of in me to to I just love that route and then it came available position came and I interviewed for it and ended up getting that so I got that uh, I got my dog I got selected in 2014 but didn't get uh, really in it until I went to canine training that was uh, in 2015 the beginning of mm-hmm. 2015 so um, but yeah I just I love the canine aspect it just speaks to me I tell people it's like you truly have to have a you have to have a calling to be a police officer you know that um, yep. but you also have to have a calling and you have the, I, I feel like you have to have the right personality to be a canine handler. I'll get guys to reach out all the time. Like, Hey, I'm interested in canine. And the same thing I tell people with like ride alongs that aren't police. I'm like, go help out with canine training. You, yeah. you, you get a full and go take bites, go respect everything those animals can do. Um, but it takes a lot of work and, and, you know, like guys are like, you know, when guys are off, they're off. Like I have to take care of a dog now, like you know, among the, my own yeah. kids. And, but I always say it's like, it's like having a child, you know? So it's, there's a lot of work that goes into it, but that work and that just kind of that grind of canine, it's, it sucks. But at the same time, when you get something, when it's rewarding, it's, it's all worth it. And so yeah. I just love it, man. I'm just a canine guy. I got to witness uh, some training. My, my friend, Jake Pickett, who, who was mm-hmm. murdered in 2018, he was, now, he was canine officer and uh i went to watch just you know just watch training because i just like to hang out i'm not interested yes. in being a canine but you know i just like to go and, and watch and everything and they were training with um a police department that's close to chicago it starts with a, a g and ends with airy um very <laughs> <laughs> pd um i'll just say it i don't care um because i don't have any ties there they you know there's there's typically like uh some word that you use as like a go for the dog to go and apprehend the person yes yeah right and uh you know typically it's some german term or whatever uh these guys uh at least one of them you know they're they're getting their dogs all geared up and everything and the dog didn't move until he said get that motherfucker and and i was like like you know we all kind of looked at him like yeah yeah, we were all kind of like what wait a minute like just dude calm down this is training and he's like oh no that's his go word he's like it's not you know sick or anything like that yeah, it's yeah it's get that motherfucker and it was like wow these dudes are on a different level <laughs> oh my god that's you've said that so much your dog is now conditioned to that's yes. Oh, yes 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 <laughs> like, 
bro. So you talk about having a different personality for a canine. Oh yeah. I always say we're like the, we're like the relief pitchers of baseball. Like the relief pitchers are just kind of like the weird dudes that when you need them, they come out of the pen. I'm like the same thing with canines. They're just doing their own thing. Just weird guys. And then uh, when they need the canine, then they, they emerge (laughs) from the dark. Sort of like that Homer Simpson meme, but yes, exactly. Yes. Comes out out of the bushes. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. Cause you know, I never really put it into perspective, but I always have thought that most canines match the personality of their handler. You yes, know, they always say that one, the dogs are the handlers. Tra- you know, they take on traits of uh, of the handlers. So. Yeah, definitely. We had one on nights here. Um, he was a nut job. This dog was, and then the handler. He, you know, he's like full sleeve tattoos and and all kinds of stuff. Really great dude. I love him to death. Um, and his dog, you would come in, his dog was a little iffy. Like you, you know, he'd look at you like, I kind of want to chew on you. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, I would come in at night and getting ready for the shift and go into the night shift office and the dog would be sitting there in the chair, like instead of him at the desk. And I'd you're be, like, uh, where, where, where's that, your master? That's when you're calling, yeah. That, that's when you're calling for your buddy. You're like, Hey, Hey, uh, yeah. Hey man, you around here? <laughs> it, was, it was always so funny. You'd round the corner and and he'd just be sitting there staring at you. It was like, there is no, there is no, even as a handler, there's no worse feeling than seeing a dog by themselves. Yeah. You're like, Oh my God. Like now I'm, I'm confident now I could get, but at the same like the dogs, I do not know that it's the worst feeling in the yeah. world. You're like, am I, am I being punked? Your, yeah. Where <laughs> is your handler right now? And I am not going to breathe right now. Yeah. There's uh there's always that fear when you're on the, on a call with a canine or, you know, in a fight or in a pursuit or whatever. And somebody says canine, it's like, just stand still. Yeah. And, oh God, <laughs> please don't be by me. Don't be by my legs right now. <laughs> you got to let the land shark just go right by you. That's right. Oh man. Um, okay. So now that we've kind of talked about canine, um, if you're willing, I, I want to get into to Harley because I yeah. know that that was a big experience for, for you. And I know a lot of folks in Indiana, are familiar with uh, a little bit of the story. Um, Harley was your first canine, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, when did you get, when did you get? So I got him when I went through in 2015, uh, as actually, it's funny. I tell people I had a dog before we had some stuff go on with our canine program. Um, they really wanted a dog that was kind of uh, more social, I guess. And Harley, when we had watched or seen Harley, because what happens is basically the process you get to see if, like we went through Vonlet kennels. So if they've got 30 dogs available, uh, you, you can see all 30 dogs. Mm-hmm. And I, so I don't know at what point I was in there seeing dogs, but basically all 23 of the students in class passed up on Harley, including myself. And, but they saw Harley and they're like, dude, that dog is a loose cannon. That dog is too much dog for, especially a first time handler. <laughs> well, I had, so I had this first dog and this dog was soft, like soft, mean, like just, he, like he did what he was supposed to, but you knew like the confident level, like if I needed this dog to work, uh, to bite some, like it just, and it was just a green dog. They had kind of pushed it through training. Um, and so basically it came down to the point I was like three days in, that's all at Von Lake. And they're like, Hey, you need to work another dog. If this dog doesn't work out until your agency can figure out like what they're wanting to do, you need to work out another dog. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, like that's fine. So they're like, there's another dog in the back of the truck. And like, so Harley, like, so, so the background of Harley, he would bite a decoy 
and he would put all four paws on a decoy and it took literally probably two minutes to get him off like would not come off the bite would not let go of his tennis ball and so everyone's like f that i'm not dealing with that um so they go hey go to the back of the truck go that's the dog you're going to be working until we can figure out you know what's going on with the dog that you're currently working so like okay go over there grab the dog i'm like oh shit this is that harley dog (laughs) And I'm like, oh man. So, but I'll start, I started working them and I'm like, this dog is legit. Like not knowing anything about canine still at this point, it was like, you had him on the lead and it was like, if he sat on something like, and so the sitting is the like indication that there's drugs or odor there or whatever. And we we were going through rooms and he was just smoking these venues. I'm like, this dog's legit. I'm like, I know, like just that trust, like that immediate trust with the dog not that we had trust with each other because he didn't know me and I certainly didn't know him. Yeah. But that trust of like, if he told me there was drugs there, there was drugs there, you know? So I remember my captain like pulled me aside. He's like, Hey, what dog do you want? And I said, I'm be honest, sir. If I, the first dog's name was Ozzy. I'm like, if I had Ozzy sit on a car, I'd be like, mm, there might be something there. I, I'm like, but if I had Harley out and he sat on, I'd be like, there's something there. I know there is something there. So he's yeah. like, all right. So then we did, we did some more testing and stuff and ended up like realizing that Harley wasn't this hothead that they all thought, but the dogs act a little different when they're at a, in a kennel environment right. and there's a bunch of other dogs. And as soon as you got him away from the kennel, it was like this dog just like, Ooh, just kind of like mellowed out, like still just that high drive mouth that all mm-hmm. police dogs or whatever. Oh, it was a, a Belgian mouth. Belgian Malinois. Yeah. And, uh, he, uh, dude, he was awesome from like the beginning, just, a, just a great working dog and just had one track mind of like that dude would run through a brick wall. Like, just like, what, what is my task? I'm going to do my task. And so yeah. just had some of those, you know, and you appreciate that stuff, uh, as the longer you have the dog. And then obviously when you get a second dog, you appreciate how good the first dog was. Um, but yeah, he was awesome. That's awesome. So, so you worked with him for several years and you know, got to know each other. And then, uh, let's see here. When, when, when did the, the event happen here? 11, 13 of 2019, okay. uh, November 13th. So basically we, so like I said, working night shift. So I'm working essentially, uh, the 12th of November, um, and to put like kind of the groundwork like, perspective. in. so like Fishers is a great community and like Harley had, um, there's about, you know, 90,000 people that live in Fishers and, like we do not have, we're lucky in the fact that we do not have murders. Like, you know, we right. will have, a, you know what I mean? We had like the first time that we had a murder was like the first time in like 25 years, you know, one of those things. Um, and so like Harley was, he was, we were, had been successful up to that point. Like he had the most bites in the County um, and just a great dog. So we're working the 12th of November and it's a slow night and we're actually about to have roll call. And then we end up get responding out east of our jurisdiction for a suicidal. Actually, it ended up being a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Uh, there's three three guys hanging out uh, in an apartment, and they're kind of it ended up being just an accident, and ends up shooting himself. Um, so we're out there responding to that, and we get a driving complaint on the interstate that comes out. Well, we're all pretty much tied up, and mm-hmm. uh, this is going on midnight. And so our supervisor says, just pass it along uh, up north to see, like, if they've got someone around, we're not going to be able to uh, to catch up to it or whatever. And uh, we had two guys. One of the guys was a field training officer, and he had another um, uh, officer with him that was a lateral. 
And they were actually coming back from Community North Hospital. And they're driving up 69. Well, they see this car that we got the driving complaint on several minutes before just pulled over on the side of the road. So like, dude, there's a, there's a driving complaint. Like, let's we'll see what they're up to. So they get behind the car uh, that's pulled over on the shoulder. As soon as they get behind the car, the car takes off. So they put it out, uh, essentially that they're heading northbound on 69. And, and uh, uh, they're, they basically are in a pursuit at this point. And we're thinking like, dude, like nobody, like our crime, like when people get in pursuits, they'll leave fishers. Like it's very rare that they like crash it. They, they try to get out of fishers. They go to Indy or they're going up North or they try to just get on the interstate to get out of fishers. Yeah. And uh, so they end up I, at this point I hear, and we're, like I said, we're Northeast of, of on this call that we're on. So basically they're heading toward me or in our direction. So I said, Hey, I'm leaving this call. I'm going to go help those guys out. And so I start leaving. Well, sure as hell that car gets off on our exit that we're on. So now they're basically coming right toward us. Right. So, um, our supervisors, you know, we're, they're, the guys are doing a great job calling out the pursuits. We end up having a sergeant that um, uh, gets in the pursuit as well, and he calls uh, for a pit on the vehicle uh, for the speeds. And it, it, then it ran a stop oh, wow. sign or a, a you guys stop can light. Pit? Yes. Oh yeah, it must be nice. It is nice. It is. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often, but when you need it, it's really nice. Yeah. Um, so the supervisor calls for a pit. Well, the you know the guy that's in training says, "I'm not pit certified." Um, so he says, I'll take the, I'll, I'll take the one position and, and I'll pit. Well, at that point now I'm, I see them coming toward me. And so I'm now, I U-turn, uh, and get into the pursuit and I'm now second car in the pursuit. My sergeant's first, he ends up pitting the car on Olio, which is like a four lane road wide open. Like it's kind of like you get some fields out there. So, so it's like a perfect spot to pit, yeah. like ideal. Well, he ends up pitting them like a beautiful pit, spins them out, and they end up um, going into the field, but their back end is in the field, so they're facing us. They're facing mm-hmm. Olia Road. So we set up for a felony stop, and to this day, it took a while for uh, the driver to bail. But you could see as they passed me, I remember seeing uh, male and female in the car, or it was either two males. Like I just saw two occupants in the car, mm-hmm. and um, – they end up crashing into the woods and all of a sudden like I'm out and Pickett had trained with us. You know, you had mentioned Pickett earlier. Yeah. And so um, I remember when he had uh, gotten killed and hearing some of the uh, stories or some of his deployments and just that kind of that, that for that immediately came to my head. And it's in, and so it's one of those things where all like, it's like you get a deployment and you start thinking of everything that you're required to do that you have to do, but, and also kind of safety tacticals and all that stuff, but I immediately think of picket. And so I hang out by my vehicle to see what they're going to do. Um, and we're setting up for a felony stop. So I still don't have Harley out at this point and I'm waiting to see, are they going to jump out? Are they going to just stop? Are they going to start shooting at us? Well, all of a sudden I see, it's like the driver couldn't open his door. So I see him like kind of lift up in his seat and then like exit and goes out the window. Yeah. And then he's, he takes off toward the back of his car. So that would be east um, into, into the woods, into the field. And uh, at that point, I immediately grab Harley. We start taking off after him. And it, the female passenger stayed in the car. And it was kind of one of those things I just ended up just running by the car i'm like you know 20 feet from the car i'm like yeah you gotta make a decision so i take off running after him as soon as i pass the car i unhook harley uh, tell the dude to stop 
and Harley immediately takes off running to my right side. And uh, the suspect is running straight ahead and Harley's now to my right. So I remember like just quickly glancing over to my right, calling Harley back over to me. And I, when I look back around, I have no idea where the suspect went. Yeah. So at this point now, and, and, and as soon as I look back and no idea where the suspect is, I've got two more guys with me with guns. So I'm like, perfect. I've got, I've got my guys with me. Like, let's go find this dude. But at the same time, I, we had trained in that field through canine training. So I knew how big it was. and I knew how thick it was. Um, so I kept telling the guys, Hey, make sure he's not bedding down or he's not trying to ambush us or come and flanking us. And so we're, we're like methodically now I start slowing everybody down mm -hmm. and let's, let's go find this guy. And at the same time, it's so thick. I still kind of don't have an idea where Harley is cause he's ahead of us, but you could kind of see like the grass move and it's, it's freaking pitch dark, but we have a full moon and we had some snow the day before. So you can kind of get some like, like really good ambient light. Yeah. And, uh, but it was so cold. I remember like the flashlights, like turning on the flashlights and like, almost like, it's like that crystallizing effect where it's almost worse having the flashlight on. Right. And so what saved me or saved us is that we had a business right to our right hand side with a parking lot. And that was lit. And I remember seeing Harley at this point. Now, now I'm trying to get Harley to us. Cause I'm like, okay, we, we either, I have to put him online um, and try to start tracking this dude. But two, I was like internally battling because I knew, how thick it was and how bad of a situation we were in because of the possibility of the ambush. So what saved me once again was this parking lot because all of a sudden I see Harley circling in this dumpster and I'm like, Hey, he's an odor. We start working over tour him and he's circling this dumpster. I could see from, you know, the five years, five and a half years. I'm like, dude, he's an odor. Yeah. So, um, he starts circling that, and uh, I end up kicking that door open for him to go search it, giving announcements for that guy to come out. He doesn't. I send in Harley. Um, he comes out right away and keeps working and keeps pushing further east toward into the woods. Well, we're still in the, like the corner of the parking lot, so now I can see exactly what Harley's doing at this point. Well, all of a sudden, he just he, like you see his his head still in the air. He's in odor but he's checking around this dumpster. And then they had like that, one of those like uh, temporary, like pod moving things in there. And so he's circling that as well. Soon as he leaves the pod, uh, he takes off running into the woods. And I'm like, dude, he took, he took off pretty quick. Uh, and so I tell the guys, I'm like, Hey, let, let him work. Um, and what, then we get up to like the end of the parking lot and now I see footprints. So I was like, dude, he's on him. Like, let him work this. Uh, and I, I were, we had just gotten our body cams and for once again, you know, times kind of is, it's hard when you're, when you're in that moment. So I tell the guys, Hey, this is super dangerous. Let him work. Well, I thought that was a, a long period of time is two seconds, two seconds from when I tell the guys, stop, let him work. And we basically just froze where we are. Boom. You hear a gunshot two seconds after I tell him to stop. And immediately I knew, cause he had, now I see the footprint to where Harley, once again, he kind of took off running. I'm mm -hmm. like, dude, he's on top. He, he was there. I hear the gunshot. Don't hear a single gunshot. We retreat, but we're in the middle of no man's land. We start telling people we need cover. We need, so we get the, the our sergeant that ended up hitting the car comes over, uh, gives us cover on the car. And I remember just at that point, like start yelling for him, to, for him to come back in my head. I'm thinking, dude, I know, I know what Harley was capable of. We had been successful before. And I'm like, 
knew that gunshot was for him. I didn't hear another gunshot. I know that, and it sounded like the gunshot was was muffled. So two, I was like, man, we're, we're in the woods too. I, we're like 30 yards away from the gunshot. We're directly like the gunshots in front of us, but it's muffled. Once again, the time that he took off and I'm like, dude, that was for him in the back of my, I knew it was for him, but at the same time, you're like, man, maybe he wounded him. Maybe he's now like they wounded him enough that, or he just shot a round off and now he took off running. And, but I'm like, dude, I'm like, he would have kept running after him. Like if he just shot a warning shot, he would have kept running after him. You'd hear another gunshot mm-hmm. like soon after. Didn't hear no- anything. I remember hearing a stick break. And I, in my head, because at this point I'm calling him. I hear the stick break. I keep calling him. I, but that stick break, I was like, dude, if that's Harley trying to work his way back to me, like I don't want him to be suffering. Like, so I stopped. I like didn't want to call him anymore. Yeah. Um, and then so that end that stick breaking ended up being the suspect taking off again after shooting him. So what they ended up finding out that shot was for Harley. It killed Harley. Uh, it was a, basically the, the evidence was they shot Harley right on top of his head. Harley was engaged, getting ready to bite it. They based off how they found Harley, Harley was in the air launching for him. And the guy shot him right on top of his head while he was basically underneath him. Like, Taking off lunging, boom, shooting him on the right top of his head. Harley basically drops at that point. Yeah. Uh, they were snow pushed up next to him, so they said he was running after him. He was launching to bite him. The gunshot was six inches away, six to eight inches away from the top of his head. So the guy essentially got a lucky shot. Uh, I'm grateful that he didn't just start shooting the shit out of him, and I knew yeah. that one shot. And and luckily and uh, grateful that that one shot killed him instantly. It was like the perfect humane way to have killed him so the last thing he knew he was biting somebody uh but the shot essentially went to the top of his head went through his first second and got lodged in his third vertebrae um and at that point we're you know we're it seemed like forever um but we start ended up getting calls that a black male is breaking into homes now attempting mm-hmm. breaking homes behind us so essentially the dude just basically had found it um a path that had been cleared out in the woods through the uh, power company found that path had made it back across Olio and is now to the West trying to break into homes. We stayed there. Like if some crazy instance that we actually have another guy trying to break into homes right now, we have to hold where we are too. And yeah. my, my, my dog's here. I'm not going anywhere. Um, so we held there while the other guys are working on that. And now we started getting a bunch of help from other agencies. State police came, um, they were close by doing so like, so state police SWAT was there, which was, which was awesome. Then they're running around in plain clothes and, and trying to catch this dude. And, uh, we end up basically just shrinking this dude's world on him and, uh, end up taking him into custody without any issues. And he gave up of course, right away with, with nothing. And then it was just a complete ass to everybody on scene afterwards, whatever that I find out later on, which it, I mean, it's, it's expected of him for the type of uh, person that, that, uh, would do that. But, um, you know, I think what, um, you know, going, uh, I guess ahead or, or, um, later on in the story, we end up finding out that the dude's a murder suspect out of Indianapolis. We didn't know it at the time, a car stolen, uh, and the guy was involved in 28 shootings, 26 shootings in a month and a half time, um, two murders and just, just a bad dude. So some of that people are like, man, you know, it's, it's awful what happened and it's, it's a tragedy, but at the same time, knowing how bad of a dude that was, he was. By the time the car, because we had walked the 
another handler, I should say. I didn't, I didn't go back to that scene uh, until his one year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Then I went back to the scene to kind of see exactly where he was at and, and, and all those things. But um, the handler had walked that path that they assumed that he had taken and the path that we had taken basically were on him. Um, and it was like, it took us like 45, like a, less than a minute, 45 seconds or something like that. Well, th- from the sh- time he bailed to the gunshot was like a minute 30, something like that. So basically the dude was waiting there to ambush us. He was yeah. tucked away from a, a tree. And when they ended up finding Harley, they, they were like the, another handler ended up finding them. It was like on all fours underneath a branch and like log, you know, it's you're in thick wood. So he said, dude, if you went in there with, you would have been screwed, man. So it was like some of that stuff, knowing how bad of a guy he was and that it wasn't just somebody that was just scared all of a sudden spooked and, yeah. and shot a dog. It was a guy that was generally going to, going to hurt me or, or another officer that I was with. So that kind of helps, I guess, with me knowing that Harley didn't suffer. And at the same time, knowing that if I went in there, like I wouldn't have been able to, to come home that night or other guys. So um, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of like that true, like, you always look at it like the dog protecting you and stuff. And so yeah. um, having that, knowing that dude, just the ultimate sacrifice is just, uh, it's a, just a blessing. And so just grateful for all the work you put in for a dog to, I guess, be able to perform when, when he needed to perform. And so I get emotional when it comes to that stuff, because you just, you know, all the, all the work you put in um, and just, man, it just, just a great dog. And it's like, he did exactly what he's supposed to do and allowed me to come home to my family. So for that, I'm just so grateful for him. Yeah. Well, thank you for telling your story. I know that. Yeah, uh, man. I know you've done it before and you know, I I heard it in person um, in training and I, I, I can speak from experience how, how tough it can be to relive stuff over and over again. And, you know, I, I suppose this is that, that story specifically because of who that guy is um he's that two percent he's that proof in the world that evil does exist yeah and and he's not evil because he killed your dog that's not what makes him evil but all the other stuff that he's done that he's the choices that he's made throughout the rest of his life um yeah exactly that's and you know going back on like you know people with thinking that and that's the thing is that police do so many great things every single day that nobody finds out about and that guy you know in particular it's like dude the fact that he's shooting you know 28 shootings and has killed multiple people and has killed a police dog nothing nothing that dude was taken into custody and nobody will ever you know what i mean it's like if 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 there is a time when police would just kill somebody to kill people as media portrays it with law enforcement, why not then? Why not all of a sudden you get a hundred guys on scene from other agencies and that guy is taken into custody without anything. Yeah. And it's, 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 it happens every single day. And so some of that stuff, you know, I get, I get pretty emotional when guys start take when, uh, when guys start or not, when people in general start, you know, saying police just want to kill people. It's like, dude, my dog was killed by an African-American and nothing happened to that guy. And, and like, people are like, man, you must just hate. I'm like, you know what? Like I did, I did an interview, like probably after the funeral. So the funeral was the week after, and I had done an interview with the media uh, like a week after with all the local channels around here. And people are like, what would you say to the suspect? Like, what do you have? And I'm like, 
I forgive him because obviously that dude is in a rough place to be <laughs> doing what he's doing. He's 18 years old. Um, I don't know what he's had in his life, but clearly he's, he hasn't been shown love. He, he's, he hasn't had hugs. He hasn't had someone in his life that is uh, responsible and respectful to look up to. So who am I like, am I, did it make me mad? Like, of course, like he killed my dog. But at the end of the day, it's like, dude, I can't keep living my life worried about this dude when mm-hmm. I'm the, I have to keep living my life and, and being the best person I can for my family and stuff. Like that guy obviously is, is a horrible dude, but at the end of the day, I'm like, dude, I I'm, my life has to continue on. So I've got to forgive that guy. And he's got to deal with his own. It's not for me to decide what happens to him, you know? So at the end, like my dude, I can't just sit there and keep thinking, man, screw this guy. He's ruined my life. He's hurt me in so many ways. My family now is set back for like, yeah. it's like, whatever, man, I got to keep going. So as are people are like, I can't believe you, you like you, you could forgive him. I'm like, dude, that's it. You can't, I was saying law enforcement, like you, you gotta, you gotta check your emotions. You gotta, uh, you can't bring your own personal stuff into there. And at the end yep. of the day, I'm like, would I go hang out with the dude? Absolutely not. But at the same time that there's something about being said about forgiving somebody and letting that just be the past. Um, and just knowing like, dude, like Harley, you know, it's like he saves however many lives that, you know, if that guy would have continued on. So it's like, Hey man, I forgive him. He's got it. He's got, he, uh, he's got to, uh, uh, sit in his bed and the bed he, uh, he made for himself. Um, so obviously Harley was instrumental in, you know, making sure, you know, in that guy's capture and, you know, he may have, like you said, he may have saved dozens of lives afterwards because you have no idea what that guy was going to be capable of on down the road. It's yeah, for sure. One of the coolest things I, I had received from uh, from that is like they did the ballistics on all the guns and all this stuff. And I remember just getting this huge packet of all the ballistics that they were involved in and all the shootings that they were involved in. And it was like something like to see that and to yeah. see the impact. And I remember it was you know, India, unfortunately, India is just has become just a hotbed of violence and, oh, it's and random. It's horrible. And, and I remember uh, having a Metro guy say, man, uh, after Harley's incident, we didn't have a shooting for two days. And just hearing something like that, just no, I don't know what it is. You know, it's yeah. just, it just, you know, luck of the draw, I guess. But at the same time, you you like to believe that do we affect we affected crime and, you you know, truly like making a. a I guess a statement in communities and things like that. And just hearing that and seeing like all the stuff that he was involved in, it just, it just goes on to just making you proud. And yeah, it's so cool. And it's just, I, I tell people too, it's like to know how many guys were out there. I get emotional, obviously for my dog died, but I'm all, truly my emotions come from just seeing the support, seeing the support of law enforcement, the community come together. I, I told people in, in an interview, I said, 9-11 was like the worst thing that happened to America that I, that since, you know, we were, we've been around you. Right. Yeah. And, but it was our feeling, Pearl Harbor. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. But that feeling that you got as a country, that, that unity the mm-hmm. day after is something you can never feel again, you know? And I, I felt that the same way um, the community coming together after Harley's incident, like you get in a police, like a police officer gets in a shooting, everyone goes, what's the story? What happened? 
a yep. dog dies and everyone's like screw that the dog like how could you kill a dog like it that dog bridges the gap in communities so much because everyone can relate to an animal there yep. i could never imagine my dog being killed like that poor dog you know yeah. so it's like it is in I, you don't get that and, and to, it's just i don't know it's just like the perfect storm of events i guess of things that happened and and the community coming together of like dude, he paid the ultimate sacrifice, but knowing kind of his legacy is still going on and people are doing things in his honor is just, is so cool as a yeah. handler. Like, yeah, you know, just to sit back and see some of that stuff is is still pretty awesome. And you, it makes it worthwhile, I guess. It makes it know like, dude, he didn't die, like just dying in that field, like his legacy, like it helped so much and it impacted so many people's lives that has been pretty cool. Yeah, he was he was the goodest of boys. Yeah, that's right, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Big furry, um, hairy, winning machine. Yeah. Uh, so you you had mentioned that you didn't go back for like a year to to where it all occurred. Um, I don't want to get too personal here, but I mean, did you suffer some some post traumatic stress from from all this? Some injuries and yeah, I, I had. Uh, so I made the decision not to go back. People are like, oh, like almost like you know, you get some of that. Um, I guess PTSD of kind of trying to forget the situation and for me i always i always told people i'm lucky in the fact that my wife is like a counselor life coach so she like really helps with like discussing things and getting your emotions out getting your feelings out so i'm blessed in the fact that's convenient it is it is super nice and i tell people like i don't know where i would be if i didn't have that communication beforehand like i was in a good place beforehand And if I was in a bad place mentally before, I don't know where I would be. Um, but I would say my process was actually um, decently smooth uh, after the fact. Um, but then when I, when I, to jump forward a little bit, when I end up getting another dog, I got a dog. He died obviously November 13th. And I ended up getting another dog or going back to get, pick another dog at the end of January of 2020. Um, and that opened up a whole shit ton of emotions for me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I tell people like it's, I guess, diving into your feelings and talking about it. And like I said, with my wife's background, it was like immediately like talk about it. It's OK to cry. It's OK to feel the emotions. Like what is the anger you're feeling like in just really talking with somebody and, and not holding any of those things back helped me through that process. So I'm like a huge advocate and believer in in mental health and it has such a bad stigma especially among men and law enforcement mm-hmm. um that you're looked at like dude come on man like get your shit together but at the yeah. same time i'm like my emotions are better than somebody that like hides their emotions or, or yeah. doesn't let their feelings out and so uh i definitely dealt with some with some ptsd and and you go you can't go through an incident like that and not have yeah. some traumatic like you know it's it's a huge thing that I, I had gone through but I, I say that I started going through more emotions when I started getting the second dog because it starts bringing back all those feelings of going through the process again with Harley and then and then you start you you like I think it goes by so quick from when he got killed to a funeral like it's kind of like a, I always tell people I felt like I was standing still and the world kept spinning around me like it was yeah. just that odd time um, so it probably wasn't until you know three months after the fact that when everyone's kind of like now everyone's kind of getting back to their normalcy that now it's my time to have my emotions. And now it's like the quietness or like to, okay, like now I'm feeling this and yeah. what do I do with this? And then being back at training, I remember the first time we were doing a night training 
with my new dog and we were in the woods and dude, it hit me like hard, like mm-hmm. almost like a fear and, and not, fear is kind of a bad word. Cause it's almost like a, you people associate fear with scared. And it wasn't, it right. was just that it was, it, for me, it was more of me hitting, hitting it head on of being back in woods at nighttime of like, okay, like I have to like gather my feelings and thoughts right now and understand like, this is what I'm feeling. This is the process that I'm going through and being okay with kind of having those, those, those fear moments or thinking like, damn, do, how bad, like, do I want to do this again? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it just I, like the talking, having somebody being okay with talking with somebody, seeing a counselor, I, you know, through, through work, you know, I had to go back and see uh, a counselor and stuff to make sure everything was okay before I went back to work, but I, it's not a bad thing. And, and so many people like have reached out to me since that point, which is, it kind of makes me feel good as well of going, Hey man, I'm thinking about seeing someone like, do you re- like, yeah. you've gone through it. Can you kind of walk me through that? And it makes me like truly happy. Like as an athlete, you know, uh, in high school and college and stuff, it's like, dude, if I have a pulled hamstring, I'm going to take care of that injury. Right. And prepare myself yep. for the, for the next event. Why am I not doing that mentally? Because I'm going to have another, another event that is going to cause another more emotions. And hopefully it's not as tragic as the one I've been through, but I'm yeah. going to have another situation where I'm going to see another death or God forbid a child death to be able to, to prepare myself mentally and make myself the strongest I can be for that next event that's going to come. And then once again, I need to, just like an injury, I need to rehab that. I need to yeah. ice that. I need to mentally walk through that. So I'm ready for the next of it's the same thing. It's like sports injuries. I look at it as is yeah. I'm going to get hurt again. I need to prepare myself Then I'm going to be sore again. I need to prepare myself and I'm going to be sore. It's so it's an ongoing thing that you people can't just be like, well, you've dealt with it. Move on. Like, no, it's, it's an ongoing thing that you have to walk yeah. yourself through. Yeah. I don't think it's, you haven't dealt with it using you've experienced it. It's right. You know, people, you know, use the term PTSD as it's a disease. It's not a disease. It's an injury. You know, yes. they, they, you know, that was one thing that Nick taught me uh, from the resiliency project was it's, it's, you know, a post-traumatic stress injury. It's just like, like you just said, just like breaking your leg and we need to treat it that way. And luckily we're getting to a point now in law enforcement. I think that it's being destigmatized. I, I really think that through, you know, I mean, it was great to see all those people in Fishers when I was there for the two days. Yeah. They were, the classes were full and, yes. and I love that because it's people wanting to almost have that reassurance of it's okay to not be okay. And yes. these people here have all experienced things and they're, they want to talk about it. So maybe I will. And, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest things, whether you're doing it just car to car, you know, pulling up at 3am and talking, talking through things, or, you know, actually having a peer support group within your police department. It's, it's so important. It is. It is. And I think like, like you said, it's kind of like, it's good to see that people are taking the steps they need to. And I, and I think too, I think you're having the people that are brave enough and willing to talk about the emotions that makes it okay for everyone else from that point forward. You know what I mean? Like to be vulnerable and to be open allows other people to be vulnerable and open. And then now all of a sudden they start sharing their stories because, Hey dude, we've already cried in this situation. Like it's okay for me to now get my emotions out, but everyone's sitting there and be like, Nope, we're fine. We're good. You're not helping anybody. And you in particular, if you have that mindset, like you're the one that needs to be like talked with and, 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 Cause everyone goes, everyone has something that they go through, whether it be, uh, you know, marital issues or, 
uh, you're dealing with kids and all life stresses is someone needs to, like, I would say like in the world of social media, we've got however many millions of people on this freaking country or in this country. And yet everyone still feels alone. Like there's a problem with that, you know? Well, they kind of forced us to be alone this year or this past year with the, That's true. Yeah. the quarantine. So this is the government. This is the government. Going down. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's not end this on, on a sad note. You got a new doggy. What's the new doggy's yeah. name? Rico. 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 Yes. Uncle Rico. Rico Suave. <laughs> uh, I, Uncle Rico. Yeah. Uh, we are, our family is known like, we we nickname everything like so harley for example his name was harley but it's spelled with a j mm-hmm. and i can remember everyone like i li- would like send out an email and i'd put his name then i'd always have to put the j supposed to be there it's pronounced harley the j is not a typo that's his name yeah and so um but i'd always call him harley j and that was my oh. nickname for him and then so rico you get the uncle rico and rico suave but our nickname for him and the boys my eight and six-year-old boys have uh have done this they call him ricky baby so i so uh, yeah so his name i might always call ricky or ricky baby so it's yeah. just uh that's our, our, our thing but yeah so another mal? A, yep another mal uh i got him when he was only 14 months old just a little pup uh he just turned two in december so he's still just a freaking puppy uh, but he's a good little dog. Uh, I was telling you, he got his first uh, apprehension and find uh, the other way, the other uh, week, uh, which is super proud and super yeah. happy of just that hard work being back in it. And, happy uh, dad moment. I, that's right. It is, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, but it's like, it's so cool. It's uh, that's the, our department's first uh, apprehension uh, since Harley passed. So I got oh, the wow. uh, Harley, yeah, Harley passed. And then Rico got the first one after that, which is kind of, it's kind of cool. It's kind of getting those be. tingly. Yeah, it is. Uh, so you're just super proud. But, uh, you know, my chief had called me and he said, you know, obviously it's a great job, man, finding those people. Um, but he said, more importantly, he's like, how, how is that mentally? Like, you know, going on the PTSD and it's kind of mm-hmm. like to be able to be back in that situations, you're looking to, you're looking for guys that are armed su- uh, suspects and, and it's just kind of like getting back on the horse. So it just, just a great time um, finding somebody obviously to help people. That was obviously a dangerous guy to begin with again. And so, yeah, but he's a good dog, man. I'm excited to kind of keep working with him and keep dealing with all the puppies that puppyisms that he has. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm grateful for you coming on and, and sharing your story. And I know a lot of people are, are, I, I think, I hope that a lot of people are going to get something out of this because, you know, this is, something that's difficult to talk about, you know, it, it, it was a horrible experience and, and, and you came out on top and you figured out how to do that. Um, so I'm grateful for, for you coming on and telling that story. Um, is there anything that you want to leave with people, whether it's about policing or mental health or anything like that, anything that you want to say? Uh, no, I think we, we kind of covered it all, but I, I just think, I think it's important to talk with people. I think it's important to have good, good friends, good people in your corner that you can speak to and, um, kind of just allow your emotions. It's okay being vulnerable. And that's so hard, I think, for people to be in, uh, but just being genuine, authentic, vulnerable, and just, I, I, I would say being okay, not being okay is is not a horrible thing. And that's important because every, everyone deals with it, but it's the, the strongest people are the ones that are able to talk about it and mm-hmm. okay and understanding and be able to look at themselves and say, yeah, I do need help and I need to talk with somebody those are the strongest people. So, uh, just 
being okay to take that step forward and saying, dude, I need help. I need to talk with somebody and just being those people that are willing to listen to the guys that are guys or gals that come forward and say, Hey, I'd like to talk with somebody. So just being that advocate for people is important. But other than that, yeah, man, thanks for having me as uh, I'm glad that you asked me to do it. And it's, yeah. uh, it's awesome that you're, that you're doing this and put shedding light on everything. So yeah, thank you for what you're doing, man. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, it's, it's just a good time. And you know, I, I'm reaching out to people. It's funny to see how many people will do these because it's, you know, I've said it before, it's free media to them. So like I've, there's a book that I've been reading that's uh, it's called cold case Christianity. And it is uh, it's a book written by a retired detective who used to be an atheist. And he looks at the Bible from a um, homicide detective aspect and he became a Christian. So it's, wow. it's an evidence-based book on why the Bible is real and how, you know, how there's correlating and corroborating evidence he's going to be on the podcast. Like, dude, that's I, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I reached out to him on Instagram. I'm like, Hey, I'd love to have you on. This book's awesome. And he responded. He's like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. So it's, it's really interesting wow. to see. Who that is super come cool. On. So does that, does he have a lot of followers? I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't think he has a lot of followers, but just yeah. the fact that it's, you know, the it's fact an that author, you reached like, out. Yeah. That is yeah. So you know, cool. it's, you know, you got to just, you know, you just, you reach out. That's to so cool, man. Yeah. yeah it's for fun. Sure. It's, it's yeah. definitely really fun. And, and it's something that uh, I feel like I'm I'm pretty good at. You know, I, yeah. I like to I like to talk to people. So I'm like, well, why would I not just record some of these conversations? And because exactly make it entertainment for somebody else. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, people spend literally three hours listening to Joe Rogan talk, and you know, you we, I can really have some meaningful discussions with people and and bring up you know either talk about movies or or whatever with people, and, and you know, some some folks might get some enjoyment out of that. So. I'm just having fun with it, man. That's awesome, man. Well, good job. Keep, keep, keep doing you, man. Yeah. Well, um, where can people reach your 108 brand at? Uh, I've got an Instagram and Facebook. It's just the 108 brand, 108 B R A N D. Uh, that's my my little my little go to. Um, but yeah, it's woodworking, a little bit of canine on there. I'll show videos of Rico, and there's a bunch of stuff of Harley. Uh, but yeah, it's just kind of my life. We'll share like some of the boys being goofy at home. And it's just kind of my life outside of law enforcement. I started that thing just probably like you did as well, just to see another aspect of law enforcement mm-hmm. and police and kind of what we do for the communities that we serve in. And so it's been good. It's been fun. Awesome. Well, everybody check out the, the 108 brand if you in, if you are interested in some woodworking things and maybe see a little doggo on there every once in a while too. All right, everybody. I want to thank Jared for coming onto the show again. Um, it was I, I can't explain how grateful I am uh, for him to to come on and do that. So please check out uh, his woodworking stuff, the 108 brand. Uh, it's pretty cool. He does some some awesome stuff with just his hands, and uh, you know I I think that's incredible. I think that's a lost art to be able to to make things with your hands the way you know people are now. I, I feel like everybody just wants things done for them. So. Um, that just shows the, the quality of, of the man that is Jared Koopman. So, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I appreciate everybody that has done reviews and everything. I, like I said, I'm, I'm just floored the fact that, uh, I've got two subscribers now to the show. Um, you know, I, I guess keeping the lights on, so to speak. Um, if you are interested in doing that, um, it would be much appreciated. Um, if you go to my, my anchor.fm link in my, uh, Instagram bio, um, you can subscribe to the show um, and pledge, you know, 99 cents a month, 4.99 a month, or 9.99 a month. Um, 
it's I, I'm floored by it. I'm I'm, I'm eternally grateful to you. Um, so, yeah. That being said, uh, we're going to end it. And uh, please be sure to be caffeinated, be sarcastic, and have a great day.